BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. This week I'm joined by my co-host Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. This is episode 56. And it is titled Three-Way Running Back Review. So, as always, we will begin with the latest in Sooner recruiting news. So, Caleb, this, I think, is the first week in about, like, six weeks where I'm not going to lead off with any commitments. So, you didn't get any commitments last week or this week? There are no commitments scheduled. So, it is a commitment-free episode, uh, which I think... It may be like the first episode in like, I don't know, maybe eight eight to 12 weeks where we don't at least, I mean, we've at least had commitments scheduled for so long and we had, you know, commitments starting pretty much like in August, late August through through last, you know, last week with uh, Alexander, Alex Shield Night. So it is a commitment-free episode. So uh, it's a commitment-free episode. So let's just jump into the Grant Bricks update because he obviously hasn't committed to OU or anywhere else. So he is scheduled to be at K-State this weekend, I believe, for their matchup with Iowa State. And then that would be the three finalists and giving each one an opportunity to re-pitch to them. And would it, I would like to think a decision would come right after that, but uh, this kid's calendar process doesn't follow any, any kind of real logic there. So... That is your uh, required by federal law OU, or at least state law, OU Grant Bricks recruiting update uh, for this week. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll have another one, which I'm not sure will be much of an update either. So, I, What do you do 
with that? Do you just say he's the juice is so worth the squeeze that you continue to run that out? Or do you at some like which this point really should have been weeks ago, do you say, okay, we've reached this point where like while the juice is still worth the squeeze, the risk has now grown exponentially where we could be left in the lurch. Uh, or, you know, do you view like your your stopgap as well, portal uh, really mitigates any risk? I think I would love to have Bill, Bill in a chair with some sodium pentothal and uh, and uh, sodium pentothal IV drip and, and ask those questions, Caleb, because I think those are on point, absolutely fascinating questions. I would have thought that OU would have at least had some backup plan offers out there. And we'll talk about some kids that I think OU should be moving on. We can discuss those. But I would have thought you would at least would have two guys identified who you would have pulled aside and said, hey, we're, we're conditionally offering you and we're going to, we're going to, we want, but we want to be in a position to go, you know, to, to fast track you if, uh, depending upon where things are. So what do you feel about that? Where are you, where are you with that? Um, and, and maybe some kids where OU is clearly the best offer on the table, right? That, you know, take some guys that you've evaluated and like, okay, we're the best offer. We can come in late and give ourselves at least a 50-50 chance of, of, of landing somebody. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I do think the juice is worth the squeeze, right? That, I, that you, you, if Grant Brixen rolls early, the following fall, he is he's he is someone who you could depend on being in your two D if he, if development goes right, injuries, just things that are out of control, right? You know, just he just the college, okay. Yeah, um, mom isn't showing up every week crying, saying, "Please come back to Iowa." Um, uh, something like those. Oh, by the way, shout out to my brother for ratting me out on my comments I made about my mom on last week's podcast. Thank you very much uh, for getting me in trouble with my mom on that. Uh, I really appreciate that. I appreciate the heads up, uh, the no heads up that you told my mom that. So thanks. 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 Uh, thank you to my uh, Sooner brother. The reason why I'm a Sooner fan. Um, I really appreciate that. Uh, mom gave me the business on my call on Sunday night. So uh, pro- props to my brother for that. Thanks. So anyway, so uh, yeah, Caleb, I, I, I think the juice is obviously worth the squeeze, right? He He is, he is that good. He is the, Potentially in a year, he's 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 in the competition at right tackle, and he's and then you plug him in, and for the next three years, he's your right tackle, and his ceiling is his ceiling is you know as high as 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 high as you know I think with Bill and 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 Schmitty and the kind of coordination of those forces working together, if nothing disrupts that, he's he's got the kind of Caden Green kind of um, ceiling to him. I mean, I think that's yeah, the, or, that's what you know. that's what we've thrown we've thrown around or. Yeah, we thrown around as maybe as as similar to that that similar ceiling. Um, so yeah, I think the juice is worth the squeeze, but I am a little confused as to the potential backup plans. So yeah, it's it's, it's a, a it's an odd one. It really feels like a kid that just whether it's can't make a decision or you know simply could be he's comfortable with all three therefore he can't say no to any you know it just can't really want to say no to any of them but uh, i mean i agree the juice is worth the squeeze uh but you know it 
offensive line being what it is, and we've got a good thread on the board about yeah. just like what this offseason is going to look like for offensive line. I think you probably look at it like my take would be portal's going to have to be a big part of the plan regardless. Uh, yeah, we yeah, don't know least. with like Jake Taylor, right? But hopefully he's he's going to be be a be a dude for him. But even if he yeah, is or isn't, just, you got to have depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think so. I think the one thing that is the is the is the concern slash is the concern is is it or is it just that OU has so overestimated their viewpoint on landing this kid that they they they're not. They're not viewing the negative side, right? Like, no, no, no. We, we, we're beating, we're beating Nebraska for this guy. You know, let's be real here, right? Every time we talk to him and his dad, we connect. It's all good, right? We'll, we're going to beat mom when it gets to when it gets to nut crunching time. We're going to beat mom on this. Don't worry about it. It's in the bag. So I think it could be a miss evaluation of where they really stand, right? They're just super confident, just because. You know, which I think if we are being candid and fair, that, that's a problem. We could that's say a problem. that yes. has been a continual problem along yeah, the offensive been. line in recruiting. And other, and other spots. I mean, and it's, yeah. it's, it's sometimes in recruiting. I mean, you know, um, and, 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 you know, I, I can kind of see how you might have fallen into that trap with Nebraska. They lost again, right? They did. They did. Um, you know, and another thrilling barn burner of offensive football from the 21st century. In the Big Ten West, right? I mean, it oh was, my God, it's amazing! Uh, like their over unders are. I think <laughs> yes, the over under on Nebraska Iowa this week is like twenty six and a half, the lowest ever. But it, but but that was but they broke the record from the last Iowa game and the previous <sighs> Iowa game before that. So 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 I can understand maybe if you're like, guys, we gotta beat we gotta beat these we gotta beat this. You know, come on! I mean, they're they're. We gotta beat these guys. We can't lose to these guys. So I can understand maybe why you have talked yourself into winning this recruiting, but it's still you haven't won it yet, and it's been you thought you were hitting this guy a couple of times. So yeah, it's a little mysterious. So speaking of mysterious, you and I had basically on this podcast for a couple of weeks kind of told our listeners that Eddie Pierre Louis probably ain't happening. Well, then he go gives an interview to this regional. Florida website that he always talks to. He's talked to them all, all through. He always talks to these guys. I don't know if they're, I don't know the guy, the guy that runs it is like a Tampa Catholic alum. I, I don't know what the connection is, but regardless, Eddie always talks to them. And Eddie then says he's going to visit OU. And the whole reason why he couldn't make it to OU is because Catholic, Tampa Catholic didn't want him to visit or his coach didn't want him to visit during his season. Now his season is over. He's free to go to OU. And he's saying, I don't really think I'm that interested in Oregon. And I may visit Miami, so it's very strange. So, I, I think Eddie Pierre Louis could show up back in Norman, and we're back on that weirdness level. The one interesting thing in it was we our inside sources, and if you've been on our message board and had access to our information, you know already that mom is mom was unhappy about Eddie's brother's dev experience and at Florida. Eddie Pierre uh, has an older brother has. Uh, has a different last name. Um, and he went to Florida and he didn't, he, I think he was like a third or fourth round pick and wasn't really happy about that. Mom was not happy about the Florida thing. So in the interview, he mentions that Bill Beatenbaugh talking to him every day and talking to his mom as often as he can. So Bill is still engaged here unless Eddie's just completely making this up and I'm not really sure where to go. So speaking of strange recruiting, I, I, I fully expect this kid to end up at UCF. Um, 
He's mentioned Miami. I'm not sure if Miami's kicking the tire, you know, kicking the tires there or not. Um, you know, Cristobal knows offensive line. He doesn't know how to be a head coach, but he knows how to <laughs> coach offensive line. Um, uh, he's a good recruiter. Um, worst game day coach, maybe out there. I think if uh, if you have, if my if we were if we were to do a different podcast on coaching uh, coaching ability, but regardless. He mentions Miami, so it's a very weird interview, Caleb. But he, it's quoted, and he and he talks to these guys all the time. So it's a it is a current, it's a it's a recent interview, and his his season with Tampa Catholic is over. So maybe that was maybe that's been what's been throwing all this off, and he needed to. They wanted him to finish his season, and they were focused on that. So we'll we'll see if that name comes back up. So well, the good thing in in the case for him, I think, is. Like not to, who knows, right? Like who absolutely knows? Because I don't, I don't know where that is is at at all. But I think the one of the the good things just in general, when we were just talking about backup plans, right? And like what are Oklahoma's backups plans along offensive tackle? And I and you look at it, and I'm thinking it's probably the portal, and it's probably really heavy in the portal. But I think the good thing when you look at Eddie is he's an interior guy. And you watched uh, Daniel Lake and Kumi's film. I think Daniel can probably – I think he'll have the potential to play right tackle at some point, you know, because he's got just a, a fantastic wingspan. He's so big and long. He's really broad as well, which it's kind of reminiscent in terms of like Jake Sexton. You know, uh, he's very broad – or Jacob's right. He's very broad and long, which makes him that much, uh, you know, more difficult, uh, I think, for edge defenders. I think Daniel's – a similar frame in that regard, but he plays interior. I plays interior and Eugene Brooks plays interior. So I think you're in this position where you can say like, okay, if we get Eddie Pierre, yeah, he's one of the top guards in the country. But if we don't, we've also got three really good interior players. So, you know, we're yeah. from, so a, from a it, numbers it, 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 perspective. Uh, Caleb, this is maybe reaching too far back into the way back machine. There's, there's no way Heath Azad is a right tackle, is he? I don't know. I, 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 I mean, he's video I saw enough, of him working he, out. He's he's athletic. I thought I don't know. You'd ha- I would have to see him work. Uh, I thought it was a lot of this film he had of him working with a personal trainer. He showed that type of agility that he possibly could. Uh, okay. I, didn't you know? And he's long, like you know, he is that six five, six six. He's got the ability, I think, to play it in a pinch. Uh, my assumption has always been that he was going to play inside, and I think that's where they've had him repped. But I, I think you could play him there in a pinch. Uh, but yeah, there's there's probably not enough tackles on the on the current roster right now, which kind of heightens the importance of bricks. Yeah. Okay. So that's so. That's Eddie, the Eddie Pierre Louis update, um, and then Cameron Campbell's still floating out there. I, I don't. He visited. He had a good visit. Oh, you still somewhat interested? I'm not sure if there's some academic thing in the background because somebody told me that he was uh, some JUCO coaches were following him on 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 X um, on Twitter. So I don't know if that's something there. So hmm. um, Tyler Mercer's name still being floated around. Um, I. I I, I don't mind his film. I don't think it's as good as his teammates, who OU has offered. Connor Cardi, who's the offensive guard for 25. His film is really good. Um, Mercer's film is pretty good at center, but I'm just like, to your point, we already have three interior guys. 
I like Brooks. If yeah. you can, if you can keep Daniel UK focused at guard, I think that's that he could be really good at guard. And I like Iasosa. Iasosa had a great senior year, really good film. Santa Fe just mauled everybody running the ball. Their running back went crazy this year, running behind. Uh, looks like running behind Iasosa half the time. So. I'm just not sure I, I want another interior guy unless it's someone who really moves the needle. Like if Casey Poe all of a sudden said, hey, I don't want to go to Alabama. Oh, okay. Sure, Casey. We Come on come on down, right? And to me, Eddie Pierre-Louis is a little bit like that. Um, maybe not quite as just a different body type, but he's not somebody that has a lot of uh, – Eddie Pierre-Louis is either going to come in and it's going to click or it's not going to work, right? It's, he's, he's, he's physically pretty ready to play play. Uh, play college ball. So the Mercer guy's a center. I'm like, do we need another center? Um, it doesn't make any sense to me when, they, when you when you look at the class, how it's he was, laid if out. If he was in state and, and they said, oh, he's a preferred walk-on, I'd be like, no problem. Great pickup, great addition. No worries. But yeah. for the last the last couple of spots in this bigger class, I'm not. I don't. I don't see Mercer quite working. It doesn't make any sense, you know, when you add in the reality that they took a pure center last year in Josh Bates, because I don't think, I think, you know, I think that's exactly that's what Bates is, right? You yeah, look at yeah. a guy like Andrew Rame, and Rame was a kid that first year on campus played guard. He played some tackle in high school, right? And then after the twenty twenty season, uh, where he where he dabbled at guard, you know, with Creed still at center, uh, he he kicked over and has played center since. But I think he can, and we've talked about this a little bit. You know, it's maybe one of the best case scenarios for twenty twenty four is he kicks back to right guard, and you take a guy like Everett. But Bates is pure center, right? So I, I he's a big I, kid. He's a big kid. But you 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 got him to be your center of the future, right? You got Everett. Yeah. You can go. He's redshirting. Everett will be a junior. Bates will be a redshirt freshman, and you've got this beautiful staggered combo. So you're not doing the the freshman center thing, right? Yeah, yeah. The that I mean, to just be frank, like I, the uh, the names popping up being an interior guys are probably one of the bigger head scratchers, you know. Because again, like you pull back and you look at recent classes, this class, what's on campus, and I think you immediately go and say, okay, maybe the weakest position from top to bottom on the roster is offensive tackle. <laughs> well, yeah, tell me one of the most important, and I think, and that's saying like, and I and I think that Sexton is going to be, I think, the absolute world of the kid. Like I talked yeah, about this yeah. when he was coming out, probably from the time he was a sophomore to now, even through the knee injury, every single time you see him physically in every single game, he's getting noticeably better. Right, his his development runway is still just to the moon, right? And, and but you kind of got to have numbers there, yeah. And you kind of rob Peter to pay Paul, making Caden Green an offensive guard a little bit, potentially. But he looks like he does look like a future uh, well, I'm you not know, saying, NFL. But, <laughs> but, but 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 in that recruit when we when that class signed, we were kind of viewing, you know, we were viewing Howland yeah. and Green as your tackles, right, and then. Ozetta as a guard and then Bates as a center, right? And that made it, that's a four player lineup that, that made sense no. to us when it was, when it was being, when they signed, we're like, we want another one, but you know, there's, there's two tackles and there's two interior players. So overall it's, it's not bad. We wish that we wish there was another guy, but overall numbers wise, we can kind of handle that. Now that you've kind of, you know, moved green inside, 
um, and you're down to just Logan Howland as the tackle. That's why I was asking the Ozetta question. It may be something to think about, a little kick around when we uh, see these guys again really in spring. Uh, we get to Kent to see Howland and Ozetta in spring. Um, I, Ozetta has the head to be able to block any defensive <laughs> end rushing. Um, poor kid has uh, poor kid has the uh, I married an axe murderer. I was supposed uh, to say that's uh, all I can think of. It's it's, like, look at the head on look him. Look at the head. He's sick. Uh, and he, but he's not an orange. You know, it's like an orange on a toothpick. I mean, Ozetta is a big dude, but he's he he has a world class athletic offensive lineman, large head. So yeah, uh, I got no, <laughs> no, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's it's weird that. You would you if if you're going to reach, I'd reach in a different direction, and we'll get to that in a minute. So, Caleb, there's no other surprise names right now. There's, uh it sounds like Terry Bussey may take an LSU visit. Uh, I think the, it's a matter of time before he maybe. I think he walks away from A and M. McKinley, I'm not so sure. Sounds like McKinley really likes College Station, which kind of boggles my mind. But okay, and whatever. I don't want to go down a different tangent here. But if I would have told you when Brian Kelly took Brian Kelly, the former Notre Dame, yeah, right, uh, and before that, God, where was he at in Division Two? Like Cincinnati, in Cincinnati. School. Well, before that, he was like at Glenville State, not Glenville State. Oh yeah, but he's all Upper Midwest. It's like yeah, yeah. It's, it's he, was, he was he was yeah. he he was he coached in D two and he 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 did he built a monster. And they used to just motor folks. Uh, regardless, if I'd have told you when he took the took the LSU job that. That university was going to become, or that team was going to become among the worst in the country on defense, but they were going to be Lincoln Riley esque on offense. I mean, would you have believed that at all? No, I'd have told you you were crazy because LSU just has stupid talent on defense. Grand Valley State, that's what you're talking about, right? It is. For Brian Brian Kelly. They they used to kill. You're right. He was there for a while and he was there at Central Michigan. Did a good job at Central Michigan, Mac, Mac School. They're Mac, they're Mac School, right? Central Michigan Chippewas, right? Do yes. I have, do I have my yeah. Michigan, my directional Michigan school right? I think so. Um, no, it's crazy. They're terrible on defense. And offensively, they're doing great. And for 2025, they're lining up top. You know, They're going to get the Hylam Berry, one of the top running backs from uh, for 2025. is about to commit to Louisiana. LSU, he's from Louisiana. It's like, you know, it's like, he's at like parish Episcopal school, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, yeah. He's got has defensive talent in the boot fallen off, or is it just not recruiting as well? Because when you look at LSU on the hoof and they trot out there, and you're looking well, at them, Harold you know, Perkins for crying out loud, they've got yeah, they've got some Smith, like, they got Mason right? Smith, they got the Wingo yeah. kid. It's but like even Wingo's a good example, right? He comes out and he's five eleven and a half, maybe six yeah, foot. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's not you know years past when LSU trotted out, you looked at him and said, oh wow, like that's you know. That's a one hell of a team on the hoof. And now they trot out and you're like, eh. I don't know. They're, they're, offensively, their recruiting is going crazy. They've got DeCorian Moore verbaled. They may get Bryce Underwood, who some people think is the top 25 quarterback, and they may get the top running back. And, but he's from Louisiana, so I don't really count that as like a yeah. recruiting win. That's like you just sort of showed up, right? You offered the kid and showed up. He didn't screw up his recruiting. you know. So I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, they could get Bussy and – um Quite possibly, or I, I don't know, but Bussy's making visits. Um, Dalen Evans is visiting USC, the oh, defensive really? lineman from Longview. I'm like, 
Okay. I, I, I've talked about this before, right? Like sometimes there are just red flags. And I've always said this about, yeah, you know, like yeah. there's a reality, right? That like yeah. hardship, I think, breeds greatness. And sometimes I've always said like with these kids that just will choose like A&M or Texas, just regardless, like they can be horrible. They can be bad. And it's like, well, in this all world player, Alfred Collins comes to mind where you look at him, you're like, well, that's future top five pick. And he'll probably get drafted like in the fifth round, right? But yeah, 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 it, yeah. But you would also say, like to me, I always said this, like it was like a red flag when everything going on there, and you, he was still going to go to Texas. It just told me, like, okay, on his a hierarchy of things that are important, like squeezing all the potential out of what he is as a person, as a, and a football player, rather, you know, squeezing everything he had as a football player wasn't in the top three. And so when you see guys like David Evans, it's like, ah, it's either that or he's a smart enough kid to be like, Southern California in November is pretty nice. I'll take a visit. <laughs> um, yeah, it's – yes, yes. It's it's weird. that He's uh, he's visiting places. So maybe he is open to something. But, yeah, at some point it does seem like uh, – it does you – know, like, you know, I mean, there was a top 25 defensive lineman, I think. Maybe it was a linebacker who – uh, talked about being at the at the UCLA USC game, and he's come and he's and his interview is like, it's the best experience I've ever had. The vibe at USC is just awesome. I'm like, no. I'm like, dude, were you like high? It was Snoop. Well, sorry, Snoop is giving up weed, so sorry. Uh, were you? Were you? Were you? Were you <laughs> was, was someone else just getting you high the entire weekend? I mean, uh, was it just was it was it like an old school SMU hookers and blow weekend? I mean. Um, you know, is it 80s, 80s SMU recruiting weekend? You were at Sky Bar and Chateau, you know, uh, Chateau, uh, Chateau Bourbon, you know, where, where John Belushi died. Were you doing, you know, speedballs with, with L.A.? With, I mean, you're a defensive lineman and you went to the USC-UCLA game and you said that's the best vibe. And you're like from the southeast, you know, you've been going to SEC games, I think, and that's the best vibe you've ever been at a game. I mean... I know you don't want to just say you've had a terrible visit someplace, but come on, come up with a better lie than that. I mean, I mean, USC just, I mean, that was embarrassing on Saturday. Was, was it Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. It was Saturday. I mean, Embar- it's, it, it was, was embarrassing. embarrassing. I watched that game because it was post-Oklahoma game. My wife had daughter to softball tournament, and so I have the other kids, and I just watched that game. And I will say, too, like, how <laughs> watching those back-to-back again – to highlight how nice Southern California is in uh, in November, seeing like the field and the weather difference between Provo and then you go oh, to geez. LA, it was like God, that natural grass field looks beautiful. Uh, it's just great. But I mean, that was an embarrassing. That game. was one of the biggest ass beatings I've ever seen, and it was what was impressive about it to me. And I immediately like you could see like just. I would almost would have guessed UCLA had uh, was stealing USC signs because all the quick game that Riley does, these tunnel screens where he's okay, we're going to get all this action going left, then we're going to kick it back right to a tunnel screen, right uh, to where it's just the receivers and and you know the, the you know got you know basically quads over here and 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 we're going to kick it to the inside guy and we're going to use you know those three receivers as a tunnel and it was just this mass of UCLA blue jerseys on top of all of his, like all of his little dink and dunk and, oh, I gotcha, I'm smarter than you stuff was non-existent. It was shocking. And when that went away, it he had no counter. 
in, in a tight game, what blew me away, and I get it, the kid from the transfer running back from South Carolina, he did fumble once that returned, ended up being a, you know, the guy yeah, picked it up yeah, and ran yeah. in for a touchdown, right? But I'm watching this game. That's not a great and UCLA team, really. I mean, it's not. They're really I mean, good defense. It's a really good, good defense. They've got some good defensive players. But, but offensively, they're horrid. Yeah. I mean, not horrid. I mean, I think they lost like 14 to 7 to like Washington State or they're something. They're pedestrian. You know? They're pedestrian. Yeah. They've been rotating quarterbacks nonstop, and everything they wanted to do, they they were doing it. Just kind of like what we saw Lincoln in his last year at Oklahoma, where it was like people figured out that defense and knew what it was going to do, its ticks, and they understood, well, all right, I, I can get you in third and short, and then I know what you're going to do, and I can get you like in situational football with my tight end, and I'll get eight yards, and I'll pick up that first down. It's no problem, and never really felt threatened. But it, I, I was just amazed at – like how on top of everything UCLA was. And when they did that, Lincoln, I've said this before, he he was his best when Bob was when Bob was on the headset telling him, run the football. Because I'm watching UCLA in like a four-point game or a seven-point game come up, and they don't have anybody in a three-point stance. They're playing basketball on grass. They have all defensive ends as their as their line. It's like Second and six, you know, <laughs> second and seven. And, and it's just like, no, it was just, he's, uh, he's obviously, he, I will say this about Lincoln and everybody knows this. He is the greatest offensive genius the football has seen in the last 20 years and nobody is comparable. And I think it was just a bad game. Like I'm being sarcastic there. <laughs> like it's what? so bad. I, it, it was so bad. Well, I'll, 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 end our, I'll end our review this game with my favorite comment from a USC podcast. I don't remember which one. Somebody sent this to me, and it was, I don't know if you had a favorite rushing yard. There were three to choose from. And that's and that's what I mean. <laughs> like, in a tight game, like, it was right there to just say, hey, you know, it's not – we're not getting it with our quick I mean, stuff. This is we're the gonna, same – We're just going to try to play and keep this game close and then score. It's like, no, can't do it. How he's going to play in the Big Ten, I have no idea. But, but this is the guy – this is the same offensive coordinator, head coach for OU, where Rodney Anderson pretty much almost had a Heisman season, right, in like six yeah. games. That Mixon and Pirine both had thousand yard rushing seasons in the same same year. That Kennedy Brooks put up thirteen hundred yards once. Um, uh, uh, Ramondre Stevenson in the COVID year, if he was not weed suspended, he puts up a thousand yards in like a ten game season, easy. Um, and then Kennedy Brooks in twenty one puts up another thirteen hundred yards again. So it's like it's 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 odd but it was it was an embarrassing loss but again it just points to you sometimes you know kids will say that you know recruits will say the damnedest thing about visits <laughs> and uh, makes you wonder what went on to, on that visit or what he got to go take that visit or something like that cuz lots of rumors going around um i won't throw any schools on the bus so i'm going to start that that you know that some some kids just you know are racking up dollars making unofficial visits places um which is funny which which I think is like the worst investment ever. It's like it's like playing roulette, um, you know, at, at Vegas, you know, blindfolded. It's like it's, know, just, it's, 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 it's terrible. But so there's no surprise names right now. Maybe somebody will show up in Norman at 11 a.m. for this damn Black Friday recruiting black hole game we have coming up. Couldn't be worse to like get a kid on campus, right? Black Friday at 11 a.m. I mean, literally, it's just it's terrible, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe somebody will show up. So, so Caleb, 
Um, I got two suggestions of names that I think OU, that I'm surprised OU hasn't kind of kicked around. The first one you mentioned, and the other one is a name that was floating around a little bit. But the first one is Wesley Harvey from Muskogee. He's an offensive tackle, 6'7", 260, 265 maybe. He's a TCU verbal. I just watched his senior year film, Caleb, and, and he, he's raw, but why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you make an offer here and just add him to your offensive tackle group and, and build and develop? I mean, to answer the question, the only thing I can think of is is they've got to be going heavy portal. Is they've and that's well, a big assumption. You, why would with a big ass class that they're signing? Why you're signing safeties and corners and uh, yeah, uh, every, why wouldn't you just why wouldn't you stack? Why don't you just put this guy in the program and Put him into you two years, see what you got, because he may it may he may be something, right? I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I agree completely. You know, you watch him, and uh, I think Tyler Guyton's more athletic, and his high school film was, you know, he showed like a more athletic kid, but Guyton was playing defense. But you know, in some ways, like there's a decent comp for you because you know Wesley, I know he's listed at two sixty or whatever it might be. He does, he's really lean. Yeah, he is. Right. He's a little bigger. Looks a little bigger senior year, but he's still, but he's he's still long, very lean. Very lean. Yeah, he's very lean, no bad weight. He's long for days. And one of the things I think immediately jumps out when you watch him is he's because he is that lean and I think a former basketball player, he's 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 twitchier than a lot of, you know, your bigger, heavier guys that are maybe plotters, right? So he's got some twitch to him, highly athletic. And, you know, you watch like the dumbest thing maybe to look at, but it just always sticks out to me. The ease at which he's able to just bend at the knee. Like when he gets in a stance, like goes up there, the way he can just bend. Like he he just bends naturally and it's not a problem. And so like combining that with again just the the, the pop he's got in his hips, how he how he moves, I, I'm with you comp- all day long. I think you look at that and you say, Hey, we just had a ton of success with Tyler Guyton. Like this is the exact guy like we want to bring in here. He's gonna show up at six seven. 265 and coming out of his redshirt year, right? Coming out of that first summer of Schmitty, you know, he's well, look at Guyton, same thing. Showed up at TCU 270, 275. He'll leave Oklahoma. He was 328 going into the year. It's it's just a, you know, when you're that big, you spend a lot of time in the weight room, you're not playing basketball anymore and you're eating a lot. You know, the development takes care of itself. Again, Sexton was 275 as a senior. And I think in the interviews, he, you know, going into the year, he was like 325 is what he said. 50 pounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, and, you know, it's in not bad less than two he's years. Not sl- he's not sloppy. Uh, going he through sloppy ACL at all. Tear. No, he's, he's, he looks fantastic. He looks fantastic. And so I think that's what you'd bet on with those guys, right? Again, you're always looking at offensive linemen, like the runway. I don't under, I don't know. Like I can't, again, like <laughs> looking at, uh, and a very average guard out of Frisco, and you've got a you know uh, uh, all world trait guy is maybe the best way to describe Harvey, right? When you're looking at the yeah, frame I mean, the floor is low, the floor is low, right? But oh, there's runway, there's runway, there's runway, and and Bill make Bill make something out of these guys, right? You know, I mean, and what's the what's the risk here, right? He if it doesn't work in two seasons. He portals somewhere else. I mean, oh yeah, that's I was saying, that's like that's the uh, 
you know, and give a shout out. I haven't seen him on the board in a while, but uh, Soup, right? Soup Stain, like he always, he did a really good job, like breaking this down of just trying to, and I think he ran the numbers for like over a decade, position by position. You're really looking at, like, this is a game of like, you're an odds game, right? It's a game of probability. And the higher ranked kids, like top 50 plus, have a greater probability of hitting. As you move, move further down, you get into certain positions, probabilities reduce of like this kid growing and hitting. An offensive line is one of those positions where like the probability is actually really pretty low that the guys are going to turn into, you know, uh, future NFL players. So that means you've just got to sign more of them. Uh, I think that's been one of the biggest issues with the group, right? It's like, we just haven't signed enough. You know, even last year, signed four, need to sign five or six. <laughs> you know, this year, yeah. you know, you've got, uh, you know, what is it, four four committed right now. You need to sign yeah. five or six. Or you've got to yeah. go, if you don't sign five or six, you've got to go to the portal and you're going to need to get two veterans plus a, a guy like a Tyler Guyton who's a redshirt freshman that should say, okay, hey, we'll develop you. Yeah. So the other name is is Kalulu Tonga from California. Now I got no film on him, but he's got I've watched it from There's, BYU. I watched like a it. workout video, the- like a workout video, right? Now he's got some, so it's, it's difficult to find. You've got to go to his Twitter. If you, if you search him in his name and huddle, what comes up is like, there's nothing there on that page. Blank. But if you, but you, found but if you go, okay. yeah, you go to his Twitter, he's got his huddle linked. I was able to click in that and he's got like clips from his senior year. Like they played Juniper Sarah. They played some other ones. I really like him. I think he plays, he is six, seven. I'll tell you that he is six, seven. Yeah, he is. And because, and because he's six seven, he might be two seventy, but he's similar in that like he's lean, doesn't carry any bad weight. I think he naturally plays a little bit higher than maybe like Wesley's got a little bit better like natural bend in his you know he bends right. at the knee a little bit better than uh, Tioga. But the thing that he does, I will say, is like there's you can tell he's played football a little bit longer. Like his ability to like just kick slide and mirror and utilize that length, like it's there. He has no problems, uh, you know, mirroring defensive linemen, getting in front of them. He, he's, I mean, I think if you're telling me that's the kind of guy you're going to sign late, I'd say. Yeah, that's a. I'd be a really a really good project. Again, right? Same thing. He's going to be three twenty. He's going to be six seven three twenty in a, in a couple of years. And and you're not you know those guys. You're signing them to develop what they're going to be. Not signing you know uh, a Jordan Seaton that you're going to be a five star and say we want you to come in and, and help contribute today. Yeah, speaking of Jordan Seaton, we we said nothing was happening there and nothing's happening. Yet. So just just put the. Put the we haven't put the stake in the heart on Eddie Pierre Louis. I'm officially putting the stake in the heart on Jordan Seaton, driving it through dead <laughs> over. Okay. Um, Can I ask a quick candid question? Since this is a yes. conversation just between you and I, is that all nil driven or is there something yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. it is, he's he's just he's. I think if if you're OU, I think he's. I think. I think he's probably asking. If I had to guess, he's asking for like a for like a uh, a Williams Winery package. You know, he's like, yeah, we're we that we're not we're not and we're not we do that for five star D line at a certain level, but you're too much of a risk at 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 at, at offensive line. We're not doing that at offensive line. I don't have a I don't have a huge problem. Well, with that, even then. Honest. 
I don't either because, you know, again, like offensive line, I think you've got to be – your better guys are wired differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like your better yeah. players like are just wired differently. And, you know, when you get someone that I, – I can appreciate someone saying, hey, this is the way of the world today. I'm going to take advantage of it. But like Brent talks about, right? And again, it's a bit of a disqualifier, I think, if it's if you're going into in these visits and saying, well, I'm going to make my decision on who gives me the most money today. Because I think a good example, and we joked about this in the chat, right? Like Bear Alexander might go down as the worst portal decision in the history of the portal thus far. You know, like what you take what Georgia yeah. does, you insert him in Georgia, and all you got to do is say, Bear – do everything that everybody else does, and you'll be a top 20 pick. Okay. And if he would have done that, he would have been. But instead, he's going into year three, gonna at, you know, and he, Oh, and it's his final year. He's not staying he's, around he's, anywhere. He's not staying around. And the odds that he's even going to be a top three round draft pick, I think, are nil, unless he turns into something different, you know, uh, next year. And, and maybe he does. But I mean, it, you're talking about like, a, again, a kid that coming out of the national title game, everybody said, "Oh, this is the next five star." This is uh, Jalen Carter, yeah, the next uh, top Travion, ten pick for Georgia. Trevon Walker. This is yeah. the next. Yeah, next yeah. next top ten pick for Georgia, and he's exiting year two at USC. And you've got folks that'll you know when it gets to the fifth or sixth round, kind of like Zach Evans former TCU and Ole Miss running back, you'll get folks that'll go, well. Marvin Wilson, yeah. right, from FSU. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'll, that it'll was take a, a that chance was on him. That was an injury situation, but still, Marvin was, you know, all everything defensive tackle, and then it just fell apart injury-wise. Yeah. But, you know, but, but you know, and any player is susceptible to that. So, yeah. All right, well, those are two tackles. I, I would love to be talking next week or the week after and saying, oh, he's gotten grant breaks and they're bringing in Wesley Harvey. They just made an offer to Wesley Harvey, right? I'd be love to love yeah. to be talking about that. Or, or bringing you know the Tiger kid, you know he's they, uh, yeah. I do see that, you know. I did see uh, he's Bill. in Arizona this week. Um, oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. Jed Fish has got them rolling. Uh, it's a good pickup, right? He's you know that's 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 the kind of guys that if you are in Arizona, you stack your class with this, right? And you you bet on the upside, you bet on your development side. It's what K State and other places have done. Um, uh, if you can, and if you can do that, so. All right, so those are some guys I think OU should look at, but we'll see what's going on. So there's a forecast to Ohio State for Nate Roberts, the Washington-Oklahoma tight end by the Notre Dame guy choosing some guy to go to Ohio State. Tom Loy, uh, the same guy that – Tom Loy, who, who OU fans Famously said every – what he, all the stuff he said about Peyton Bowen, I don't even oh, remember. Oh, it's awful. It was, it's historical he, now. And OU fans, the OU, the OU Twitter mafia, if that really exists – Went after him like hardcore, abused him. I think buried him. I think Tattoo Baker might have buried him a couple of times. Um, uh, so I, I don't have any big, big concerns about this. He's been to Ohio State once. He's been in Norman like five times this fall. Um, Was just there Joe John, for Joe John, Yeah, just there for the West Virginia West game. West Virginia game. The best game our tight ends had all year. That's probably the <laughs> um, you Remember know, the old Bubba Moses game the, against yeah, Oklahoma yeah, State yeah, with yeah, Jermaine? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jermaine. Like, why the hell are we throwing the tight end? Because Jermaine's in on, you know, officially visiting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, so exactly. So to go back in the Wayback Machine. So I, I don't see a huge concern here. I mean, they. Were, I think his family was a little concerned Notre Dame was too far. And as I said on uh, Barry's X-Base, 
Columbus is even further than Notre Dame, and it's an uglier drive. I mean, we're talking the bad drive of the upper Midwest from, you know, Gary, Indiana, the murder capital of the U.S., you know. Uh, no, New Orleans has overtaken that. No, I'm no, no, sure. Gary, Gary. It hasn't? Oh, Gary is at, yeah, I mean, you, you don't, you don't, you don't stop, I mean, you don't stop for gas in Gary, Indiana. I mean, if you're driving oh. to Chicago, you 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 go to you burn fumes until you hit like the the Sunrise Skyway until you're into Illinois. You burn fumes to make sure you're you're not stopping in Gary. Um, so that's a terrible drive. It's a, it's it's a bad drive anyway, and then it's a worse drive to go, go to go to freaking Columbus from there. It's just it's 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 just ugly. It's just this it's it's, it's, the, it's the rust. It's it puts the rust in rust belt. <laughs> um, so I, I, maybe, you know, I, you know, Ohio state's always a problem in recruiting. You know, I, I want to nuke that campus as soon as possible because they're a pain in the ass for OU. At least they traditionally have been. So not going to discount them, but I think OU's in a great, great position there. I wouldn't worry too much about that. So, uh, just one quick thing. Just want to recap a couple of quick portal rules because players are now saying that they're in the portal left and right. Um, a lot of players are saying they're in the portal, but they're not actually in the portal. They're saying they're going to portal. Well, they're yeah, because because the portal's in- not an actual physical representation of something, so therefore <laughs> they cannot actually be in said portal. Correct. Right? Yeah. Or am I mistaken? Well, is there an actual? No, yes, there is a website. There's like, a website database. Someone but not enters. a real portal. Like there's not like an actual like rip <laughs> in, in space time. No, there's not. You're correct. You cannot portal your way to a second dimensional universe where um, uh, where Jason White hits Kawan Jones uh, for the time <laughs> touchdown in the, in the 2004 Sugar Bowl, um, where oh, OU yeah. doesn't get doesn't uh, qualify. Auburn goes to the 2000 and, um, 2000. It's an inter- interesting conversation about how bad Jason played in some big games. Oh, well, yeah, he was, he was clutch, man. He was clutch. But that LSU game. And that and the, USC game and the Kansas State game before that. Like, yeah, there were just some big games. Or, he had a lot of help, the USC game. Um, yeah. No, I but know. Yes, but, yeah, so it's 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 not actual. But, but basically, like, Tyler Shuck just said he's going in the portal. Well, he can't actually enter the portal until December 4th, right? Right. You know, it's going to be the A and M guys can enter early because of their whole coaching situation, right? Right. So right. I'm anticipating their final game is this. I think Friday. Did they play Friday? I think they play Friday against one of the missing, L- um, LSU. LSU. I think they play Friday. They're going to get get hammered in that game. I can't say they're not going to. Because um, because LSU's like padding stats for Jaden um, for Jaden Daniels for the Heisman. Have you Heisman. seen the stats? Like his stats this yeah, year yeah, are better yeah. than Kyler's Heisman year. Yeah, and, and and he's going to be in. He's going to throw for eight touchdowns against uh, A and M. They're going to pile that score up as much as they can. So, so you don't think the Nate Wash the Nate Roberts thing will amount to anything? I don't. I mean, he because tied in to me in the twenty five class is one of the most interesting positions. Oh, it's loaded because it's loaded. oh my god, when you watch so Lincoln Cure out of Goodland and Dasan Brom out of Derby, oh. right? So Goodland is further. I knew a guy from there that's further western and northwestern Kansas, but you know Derby is is like Wichita area. Both of those kids are probably top one hundred players. 
I mean, they are. Brom's healthy now, and he's 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 a beast. I mean, that's what I mean. They look like almost. I mean, I don't want to say they're Mark Andrews because Mark's all pro special. Cure Cure looks like Andrews to me, right? Yeah, I mean, they're. That's what I was going to say. Like, I don't want to compare him to that guy because that guy is maybe the best tight end, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Definitely one of the best two or three. But I mean, they are. They look like future NFL guys. They look like potential future All Americans. Both right up the road, you know. So and it's, Nate uh, Washington and Nate Roberts. I keep on going, keep wanting to call him Nate Washington, but Nate yeah. Roberts has that profile too, right? He looks. No, he does. He looks. He, you know, he, he looks like. Uh, you know, I would say comparatively to to Brom and Cure, Roberts is probably a little better all round. Right? Yeah, I don't know that he's blocker, the better blocker. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that he's like the pure. I mean, there's some film of Cure and Brom. Like, I mean, being vertical threats, like yeah, running yeah, by yeah. corners and doing some, again, some Mark Andrews-esque stuff at tight end, uh, you know, where where Nate is great is, you know, he you see him bullying safeties, bullying linebackers, being a, you know, just an all-around really good tight end, understands a lot of that situational stuff, like, hey, it's, you know. Remember, we saw for years at Iowa State. It's like, hey, it's third. Like a and eight. Charlie, like a Charlie Kohler, maybe. Yeah, say so it's like third and eight, and he's gonna go. He's gonna go post up on your on yeah. your safety at ten and 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 get the first down. Uh, yeah, no, but those. I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. I, but Oklahoma's got Trenay Washington as well, so I think maybe that gives you your flex guy. Uh, but we'll we'll see where he lands. Yeah, it's I, be think, tight I think I say you or, load up. A t- I mean, if you could get three, take three. Honestly, right? Yeah, because yeah. the way the off the flexibility that gives you on offense, and well, I, I think so too. Because I would have I would have said going into this year, you know, I assumed incorrectly. I assumed as big of a piece of the offense that weight room Willie was right, Braden Willis. I, I assumed that was because Oklahoma did not have very many playmakers last year on the offensive side of the ball, and he was this you know, one of your better players. So I thought, well, that's why they're doing so much with them. But you watch, I guess it's really, I think, a byproduct of the tempo they want to play with has been my assumption. And I could be wrong. But, you know, Stockard doesn't come off the field, you know. And I and I think they want, would want to play two tight ends in some spots if they had the ability to do so. Uh, but they're well, just, you, you know, Fanuel's playing a little bit. But, I mean. Lately. He's not doing bad. Lately. He's not doing bad. Um, no, he's, he's flashed. Uh, but, you know, I think if you ideally, you know, you want to get – I mean, you and I both are very much Kevin Wilson 08 fans, right? So, oh yeah, that's, I mean, that's I think what you want to get. That's what you want to get back to. You want, you want Nate Roberts is your Brody Aldridge, Brody Eldridge, but a much better receipt, much better, te- you know, pass Receiver, catching talent. Yeah. And then you got Devin Mitchell doing his Jermaine impression, and you got those two guys on the field at the same time, both who will club and hit linebackers and safeties all day in the run game, and you flex them out, and you're just Oh yeah, I mean football's you're, you're, cyclical, right? In some regards, and I think like, you see, you know, like some of your better offenses. If yeah, if you can trot out, if you have tight ends that are that type of player, where hey, we can put you in the slot, we can flex you wide, uh, and we can put you in the sniffer, we can put you in line. Well, you know, now I can force the defense, I can force their hand from a personnel standpoint, and if they put a bunch of DBs in, all right. Come get in sniffer, come get in line, and we're going to take Taylor Tatum and all these backs, and we're going to run it down their throat. And the moment they trot these linebackers on, all right, kick out in the slot. We're going to flex you out and wheel route six. Yeah. You know, yeah. And yeah, so I think that's – yeah, so I think that's what that's going to go on. But the portal, kids, kids can actually really actually enter it, get into the, enter into the database um, until December 4th. Oh, you can't. 
contact people directly until they're in the portal. Um, obviously, the, you know, folks use go-betweens all the time, like my strength coach, my high school wide receiver coach calls yeah, you and you says, saw we're, we're Duke's Duke's coach. Uh, and I, I can't think of his name, former Texas A&M. Uh, Elko, Elko. Yeah. He said, uh, he, he commented, you know, he said that what's about to occur in the next couple of weeks, like people just have no idea that I think, yeah. I think yeah, maybe some Leonard's going to get all kinds of stuff under. Well, the table, I, right? I think, I think there's some like backdoor stuff going on this year. This may be worse than what we've seen in years past. Uh, and, you know, probably because people are looking at, and I put this in that thread on the board when we're talking about like portals, you know, you look at, you know, Michigan starting three portal offensive linemen. You look at Auburn starting four portal offensive linemen. Florida State starting anywhere from two to three portal offensive linemen. Ohio State's left tackle, right, portal offensive linemen. A school, well, that, a school that recruits better than everybody, yeah, better than elite, everybody. a top three talent. Signing offensive linemen and numbers every year. Yeah. Going Michigan nation, same, right? Nationwide signing whoever they want. And they're still relying on portal for offensive linemen. So yeah, I think it's just turned into like, hey, we've I think it's and that's where I'd say, you know, one of my things I would say, you know, you hope Brent continues to be more more aggressive is and it's just the way of the world. And as much as folks may hate it, you can be sitting there and say, Hey, we've got this kid we brought in a year ago. He's developing and he's coming along. But Here's a kid that is, you know, going into the third or fourth year at X school. He's a future second rounder, and I can get him today, you know. And having him today means we're ten and two and not eight and four, right? Well, or, yeah, exactly. Or, or this isn't this isn't an unknown going through spring. We're not hoping he has a healthy spring, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's okay. Let's just say let's use a clear example for OU, and then we'll get to a get to our running back evaluation, right? Let's just say Logan Howland. Right, physically has a fantastic winter conditioning. Right, looks absolutely awesome in spring. Right, yeah. And and you're like, hey man, he's you know we'll flop Sexton to right tackle because because we have a right-handed quarterback anyway, so we need to do some changes of things. Right. Well, Sexton's you know, played like, left. Right. He he, yeah, he so played he left, play left for... he, or he can play right. Right. So let's yeah. say we yeah. So and just say Howland looks awesome, but you can to your point, you can let's just say X. Offensive tackle, old big, let's say old, old Pac-12 guy, tackle somewhere, you know, at Oregon or Washington has decided they want to go somewhere different. I don't know why they would, but let's just say they do, right? And they've been a three-year starter, and they're like, "Yeah, I want to go to Oklahoma. I want, I want to, you know, Bill did such a good job with Rouse that I want to go play for Bill for a year to, to as a finishing school for the NFL, right? This is right. where I think Bill could, could one of the ways, one of the ways where Bill could also could reap some benefits, right? So Rouse, the Rouse thing worked, and Rouse tells tells some guy, yeah, you know, go to Oklahoma. Bill's Bill's a great guy, great coach. He'll, he'll develop you. He'll, you you want a finishing school for the NFL? Go to Oklahoma, right? That that message kind of gets out there, right? You're a fourth round, fifth round pick, and then, but if you come back for a year, you know, you think you can get the second and third round, and you want to go somewhere where someone will help you do that, right? So. All of our old negatives of Bill fully acknowledged. There's a couple of schools I would look at, right? I'd look at Michigan, Alabama, and, and Oklahoma would be somewhere in that top five, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in my assumption would be them going to the SEC helps push them up. But, I mean, you break up a good point, right? I mean, uh, so Guyton – I think Guyton will go top 10, top 15. I think it's similar to Lane. I don't 
I'll be candid, you know, on this pod, right? I don't think I don't think he's wired upstairs the way Lane is. And I know Lane, you know, he's had some other, but like just in terms of being a bit of a hard ass and gonna like just get after it and work to like maximize that. But in terms of you know, Guyton going out there and testing, it's going to be – He'll be fantastic. He's going to look fantastic. And, again, that's how NFL – like how we're talking about like you look at offensive linemen on the come up. We're looking at like you're going to project, hey, what is this guy? I don't care what he was at Oklahoma. I mean, I do a little bit. I want to see a good player that shows traits. But I want to see a guy that as he gets into the NFL and he's playing across from Bosa and Chase Young, I want to know that, you know, he has the physical ability that we can develop to – you know, to 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 be able to block those guys, I think you're going to look at you know Wanya Moore's third round draft pick. You know, he's kind of part of the finishing school, right? You're going to look at uh, Rouse, probably going to be fourth, fifth round draft pick. He'll be a part of the finishing school. Tyler Guyton going to be a top ten, top fifteen pick, part of the finishing school. So you would expect Oklahoma to be able to go into you know this portal season and look around and say, oh hey, look, you're X tackle coming out of Central Michigan, or you're going out of Indiana, or you're going, wherever you're coming out of, right? Yeah, going yeah. into the portal, like, hey, yeah, you can choose these other places, but like your goal is right, like to play for championships, play against the best competition, and play in the NFL. All three, we can check that box. So you you would hope, I mean, you would hope that would be would be a big piece of it. Something that will kick in. So um, we'll keep an eye on all that and track all that. That's that madness is coming. That Magnus is coming after the the championship games. Although the A and M stuff madness. could, and the A and M stuff could blow up after their game. I mean, if A and M guys start hitting the portal after their game, and that talent roster starts going to the four wins, it could get crazy quick. All right, so we promised uh, we did the quarterback review last week, which I think was really good. And and I'm not sure you saw, it, but uh, Mike Hawkins had a great game in their first playoff game. He went for a 95-yard touchdown run and like an 85-yard touchdown, another 200 yards on the ground, and they won 44 nothing, which I think speaks maybe to the district competition not being so great. But I looked at that school. The school is out of, I will say, like uh, it's it's an El Paso school. Okay, El Paso. Usually those I will terrible, say. I, I know, terrible. Well, terrible yeah, football. I know. Like Amarillo High. Uh, this is like when I was in high school. They held the record like in Texas, right? For like the most, whatever that first, like by district or whatever that first playoff game is for like the most consecutive wins. And you would talk to high school football coaches in the state of Texas. And they're like, well, but that's because their, their matchup, they're coming out of the panhandle and their matchup is with like the El Paso district. Yeah, yeah. And so they get, they get fed that every year. And then as soon as they've got to go play, you know, central Texas or Dallas, DFW or Houston, Emerald, Ohio would get beat, but they got, you know, El Paso is just not known for great high school football. Nah, so it, they, they blew them out. So we'll see harder, but I'm mainly just talking about the fact I mean, you're, you're going you go 95 yards at, at, at quarterback, and you're running past people. You're doing something at least. Yeah. So good, 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 good update there from Michael Hawkins. Let's hopefully he. I'd love to see him hit a hit a, a known team and just play really well. That would be that would be nice, uh, a nice capstone. Win or lose, just see if he can play really well. So, but let's get to our running back review, Caleb, because I know you like the. There's some interesting. The, the three guys are very interesting in just their differences and what they could bring to OU. So. We got Taylor Tatum, Xavier Robinson, and we're calling Andy Bass a running back. That's how we're going to review him. We're not going to we're going to review him in this group because we think that's where he'll play at OU. So uh, I looked at the film a little bit again. 
Caleb, um, obviously, to me, Taylor Tatum, it's it's just awesome film. I mean, it's 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 he's everything you want in a college running back. If if the if the if the guys on campus don't get their act together, they will find themselves watching Taylor Tatum carry the ball. Wow. I've you know I've been on the like not understanding why Hicks doesn't play and and I think Smothers when he's been in he's flashed he's twitchy and explosive and you see that immediately so I think he'll maybe find a role but I, I agree completely with with Taylor Tatum I think we've all seen some of the clips that have been online this year there's been a lot of offensive line blocks it up really well and there were just some you know misreads. And some guys would, you know, uh, two guys in particular that haven't played much here recently <laughs> would just become defender-seeking missiles. <laughs> Offensively, you know, even that the third down play that everybody hated against Kansas on the final on that drive, right, where uh, you know Levy calls the uh, the run, you know, to yeah. you know to Barnes, and, and you watch the end zone view, and it's like, oh my god, they actually blocked it up perfectly. And if he plays off the inside hip of Caden Green, he he runs and source and Oklahoma yeah. wins. And instead, rather than getting downhill and running, I mean, exactly what you know, DeMarco's told him this is the path, get downhill, run, you know, he he I don't know. Yeah, he decides they, yeah. there's a defender right here. I need to hit this defender. <laughs> so he cuts outside. <laughs> so like Taylor Tatum, I think it's one of the things that jumps out to me immediately. Yeah. When you yes. watch him, is the vision, and the reason the vision jumps out is how easy he makes it look. That's something with like Gavin Sawchuk and Kennedy Brooks. I think you'd look at and you're like, well, it doesn't look dynamic. Well, it's like, well, it oftentimes doesn't look dynamic because they're they're so damn good at working off of blocks, setting up the defenders off of blocks, and that's why you see these runs where it's like he pops it. It's like, well, he's just out running. He's running by himself. It's like, well, yeah, he's running by himself, dipshit, because he set up the safety to get inside of that puller. And so the puller latched on and then he bounced it out for six. He wasn't deciding to make, I'm going to go run into that safety. You know, <laughs> uh, he's just really good. And you notice that immediately with Taylor Tatum. Uh, you know, this past week, he became the all time leading scorer in Longview High School football history. Uh, you know, that's, but, that's big time. They're they're that's they're they're, they're, they're royalty. Like, they're Texas East, high school royalty, right? They are Texas high school royalty, and you know, it's East Texas plays some darn good football, and he's one of the best running backs to come out of there. You know, I think uh, you know we everybody remembers the last really great running back Oklahoma got out of East Texas. And I don't, I wouldn't compare anybody to, to AD and I'm not comparing Taylor Tatum to AD, just saying he's, you know, from what he's done in high school, it's, it's in that, in that ilk. Uh, the other thing that is like kind of shocking, I guess, is the physical traits on Taylor, you know, Taylor's, I mean, he, he's, you know, depending on where you see him list at, anywhere from six foot to five eleven, five ten and a half, but he's five eleven, two hundred plus pounds, really thick, well built, but it's lean. Uh, you, there's multiple clips of him online where it's showing like him reaching really Im- like elite high max speeds stuff. Like Barry would be like, "Oh my gosh, you know he's hitting." Well, we've seen that. We've seen that. Barry's talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Barry's got some really good clips on that. And so, you know, his acceleration and his max speed is elite. Uh, He just makes 
all these little things look really easy because, you know, he's a complete back. He's physical, runs through trash amazingly well. I think something that gets so overlooked is a guy's ability to absorb contact, bounce off of it, run through trash and keep going. He does that again, kind of the, 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 the thesis with him, he does it with ease. He just, he just makes it look like, oh, this is kind of just part of what I do. And then that's why he's been able to have, you know, one of the best prep careers of any running back in the history of, you know, of Texas, of East Texas, at least high school football, you know? So he's, he's every bit, I think of the, the five-star, you know, I'll be candid when, I, when he got five-star uh, preseason, I was like, uh, you know, should he really be a five star? Is he a five star? That's pretty rare. Uh, we'll see how he does. Uh, senior year, senior year has been has been you know on par with where he's ranked as you know top running back in the country, top top thirty, uh, top thirty thirty five recruit in the country. He he is that special. The one thing I noticed when looking at his film again, his senior film is it's not Joe Mixon like, but I mean. His his ability as a receiver out of the backfield and and the slot, his his receiving skills are excellent for a running. I mean, are are excellent for a running back. It's, it's, yeah. Mixon's like the gold standard, right? In terms of, in, in my opinion, like at running running backs as a wide as a wide receiver. Uh, but he's Tatum's as good as I've seen since Joe in that. He's, he's, not, know, that, he's not that level, but it's 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 he's really really good at it. You can. You could, you could, you especially since we're going to talk about a bigger back coming up, or maybe some two back stuff. Who you could do? You could put Tatum in the slot, and he's gonna he's gonna eat there easily as oh, a yeah. wide Tatum, receiver. Tatum's going to excel in the pass game. Yeah, like you said, whether you want to throw him out in a slot or, or just you know get some swing passes to him and some design stuff, he's going to excel there. It's funny you bring up Mixon, and I forget this, but you know. Taylor is the first five-star running back Oklahoma signed since Joe Mixon. And I'll, you know, to be candidly, I would personally, personal take, I would rank him above Mixon as a prospect. And it's simple for me. Uh, I think where one of the areas that Taylor really excels is one of the most vital areas for running back. And again, it's the ability to run through contact and run between the tackles. Joe is amazing at, you know, on the perimeter, on the edge, get him in space. And he was a highlight reel waiting to happen, you know, but Samaje was that in between the tackles guy. Joe had, and he still does with the Bengals a little bit, I think, at times a tendency to, you know, want to stop his feet on contact. Uh, you know, Taylor does just a great job of, you know, uh, if, it's, if it's three yards, he gets you four type so- stuff. So no one take Taylor Tatum out for a midnight sandwich on his 18th birthday, please. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Nobody take him out for a sandwich. It's interesting. I think the world's – Have the food delivered to the dorm room. The world's oddly changed enough in just even that, like, you know, nine years that it'd probably be different, but not that much different. Yeah. Have the food delivered to the room. Taylor, just trust me. Don't go out. Just just stay in. Have someone pick up sandwiches and bring them back to the dorm room for you, all right? Uh, DeMarco, get someone assigned to that right now, okay? I'm telling you. Use, get, your, get your Outlook calendar out. Get it scheduled and booked right now. Okay, so that's Taylor Tatum. We love this kid. We love this kid when we thought, oh, you wasn't getting him, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we could get Taylor Shocking. Tatum? Oh, holy crap. Well, that just changes running back recruiting completely. Um, so we've been consistent with that. So let's talk about Xavier Robinson next, who's maybe a, a little bit more of a polarizing guy for some Definitely. people. 
He and he um, is that for me. And he is. So his junior year, great, great production, really good. His his some of his clips are really good. He looks a little heavier maybe than his junior year. Um so it's an interesting addition. I see I see the upside, but you know, what's what's the down what's what's the downside with Xavier? What's your concern with Xavier Robinson? Yeah, so that's an interesting way, I think, of like looking at Xavier is if you wanted to look at, you know, uh risk reward, probably pretty high on both. You know, if you told me, hey, he's gonna come in, he's gonna get with Schmitty, he's gonna get the nutrition staff, everything's gonna click, and he's gonna be an all conference running back, and he's gonna be this, you know. This guy, Ramondre, will, Ramondre Stevens, a little bit like, a little bit yes, like Ramondre, a little bit yeah. like Ramondre, and he's going to be this guy that we look back in in four or five years, and he's going to have these moments in these big games where Oklahoma's playing, you know, Ole Miss, and it's fourth and goal, and he, you know, blows up a, a middle linebacker to to win the game, you know, in in Oxford, yeah. I would say that. And if you told me that he transferred out after a year and lands at a Division II school and then eventually plays defensive tackle for them, I'd say, yeah, I, I can see that. You know, I think where he ends up is all about development and it's really about his physical development. Uh, there's some things you look at and it's like, uh, like maybe some concern. I do think just looking at his highlights from game one down to now, I bet he's lost 20 pounds in the season, right? Yeah. Maybe, you know, he's, I mean, he, to me, and to me, that was a red flag. To me, it was for a kid to come out as a junior and he, he's played different positions, but get thrown in as a junior and be essentially kind of the state player of the year, rush for, my God, like almost 3,000 yards. He was just. Ten, he, ten a pop, right? I mean, it's, it Yeah, was, rolling folks up. And then the, the offers start coming in and. It didn't look like he spent any time with the track team. It didn't look like he spent any time with the strength and conditioning staff. It didn't look like he spent any time like in the weight room working out physically. You know, very his arms are are, are you know uh, not defined, not carry a lot of muscle mass, arms and shoulders, kind of skinny there, bigger in the belly, bigger in the butt, thick legs. And I came out looking at him physically, and you're like, God dang! Like, and I got, to me, it was like a, it was just this red flag, you know, of like. Uh, what's he going to be? Uh, so that's where, for me, it is about development. I don't know if he's going to, again, get on get on campus and become that change of pace, like thumper back that, you know, in the world of six-man box, that becomes an absolute tear. You know, because you're able to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna spread you out in these, especially these wide splits, and you're gonna have a six-man box. And you know, I think Oklahoma, it looks like. You know, every quarterback they've got moving forward is 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 bigger and more athletic. You know, is more dual threat than than Dylan. And hey, you know, now we've we've really got you outnumbered, and then you've got a big physical back that can can really break tackles. I think that's the best case scenario for me is that he isn't going to enroll early. He's talked about getting with Schmitty. Maybe he can become that. But I don't know if his future is at running back. I don't know if his future is an H back slash tight end. Because I could see, you know, if you told me that, hey, Caleb, he's just going to be 250, he's going to be 6'2", 250, and we're going to play him in that sniffer role, we're going to throw him the ball a lot, and we're going to give him, you know, some occasional runs and a lot of two-back stuff, 
that that might be his best role, to be frank, because you've got Taylor Tatum in this class. Uh, you know, they've only got one tight end with uh, Davin Mitchell, and he could add, you know, additional piece of just, you know, of being uh, a unique weapon maybe in that role. But, uh, you know, there's to me a lot of unknowns from a developmental standpoint of just what he's going to be in two years or a year time even. What I do like is he's enrolling early. He'll hit it with Schmitty. And it's not like with the old guys where he could just sort of drift for a year or two and then he's a junior and he's like not done anything, right? It's either going to click and he's going to be like, okay. Um, you know, and we know DeMarco is, is apparently is Captain Hardass. Um, so, <laughs> and, and what I will say that I really do like about his film is he shows better. He shows really good acceleration. Like that's the yes. thing about it, where you come out and you're like, "Gosh, I wish you're in better shape." Because he's a pretty he shows, big man. He's I was going to say he shows fantastic uh, agility in terms of like he's yeah he's light on his feet. He's really nimble. He's got these little guy ankles. Uh, good acceleration fantastic balance. I mean, you see some clips where anybody that's run the ball, at least it was for me. I don't know why this was difficult. If somebody jumped on your back and you were in mid stride, when that next leg landed, like it was, oh my, it was just easy to topple over, get front heavy, go down. And you see with him, like it doesn't matter if he's taking a glancing shot from the side, if it's a defender straight on, you've got like guys jumping on his back and he's shaking them off or carrying them for five yards and then shaking him off. You see, you know, why he's rushed for God, 5,000 yards almost in two seasons, you know, it's because all that stuff's there. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's about putting it together. You know, and I know his senior year hasn't been quite what his junior year was, but that team he's on, I think last year really leaned on him. This year with Kevin Sperry as, as a quarterback, they haven't had to. You know, Kevin's throwing, throwing and to throwing I say to Kevin's James. throwing to James and Washington and and, and I Haynes, forget, you know, and Haynes. Haynes. He's throwing to, you know, yeah. a bunch of future power five football players. So they haven't had to lean on him as much, but he's still averaging almost ten yards a carry. Yeah, it's that's it's sort of like you know, the, the weight thing, could he be like could he be a really nice leaned up six two, two thirty five, two you know, like like Ramondre, or could he be a bulked up much better in shape like Trey Millard. So that's sort of the or or to your thing, he just he sort of balloons up and he's he's six two, two eighty five and he's and he's a defensive tackle. So, you know I mean yeah, the guy that he kinda he kinda reminds me of uh, a little bit uh helped me out. Played he was with Lincoln uh tied in Dimitri fullback. Flowers. Dimitri Flowers. I think Dimitri was would be, a good, would be a good comp for him if he gets yeah, going. Okay. Yeah, uh, in terms of what I think he, you know, at a, at the college level, at the college okay. level, Dimitri in high school I think was a little more uh, fluid the hips. But yeah, from a from that's that would be my guess on where if he said, "Hey, where do you think all this comes together for for uh, for X?" I would say similar to to, to Dimitri Flowers. Okay, who's a good. Really good player for OU. I mean, oh man, I mean, really, yeah. Really, go, really go watch. Go watch. Go watch those. Uh, you know, Ohio Oklahoma State, State game, game, the that, Ohio, that Ohio State, State game. game. Yeah, yeah. He's a huge piece of it, and that's the thing, right? Like, I think that's what you'd want to say. Hey, you know, we. Yeah, 
X could be that a perfectly built guy for, you know, that that when you're you're using him in that sniffer role for leading up on yeah. that insert on the Mike linebacker, and then hey, we're gonna you know we're gonna throw a pop pass to you, and he gets that on the safety, and you know it's six. So let's talk about the last running back name. Uh, is there a does Ancia keep track of running backs throwing touchdown passes, career touchdown passes? <laughs> I'm sure they do, probably. I, Andy Bass is my – if I could bet on Andy Bass being the career NCA leader for a running back throwing touchdown passes, I would put 100 bucks on that next fall. Um, so let's talk about Andy Bass a little bit at running back. I can't believe OU's – A, getting was a preferred walk-on – and B, that some other school has not just said, dude, you're, a, you're our quarterback. Come play for us, man. And run the ball, throw the ball. We're going to do a, we're, we're going to do some spread option attack thing. Come here and, and, and be our dude, you know, like Tulane or UNLV or Toledo or I'm just rattling off, you know, good group of five schools that do a good job of evaluating talent in different places. Um, I just can't believe no one's – I can't believe he's going to roll at OU. OU's going to have pulled off this this acquisition of this kid from Heritage Hall, um, knowing that kids from Heritage Hall, you know, have success in college. They, they routinely have success in college. So talk about the 5'11", 200-pound, sub-4 or 5 uh, running back that OU's getting as a walk-on, who also is a pretty damn good quarterback and could be an emergency quarterback for you easily. Um, and has had a stu- – I don't know if Heritage Hall is just playing terrible teams, but he's eating on the ground. And in the passing game, he's having a much better passing year than he did last year. Now, I mean, I think they're 3A in Oklahoma, which I know is not – you know, it's not uh, 5A in, you know, uh, DFW. It's not 5A in Houston. Or I guess Texas goes to 6A. It's not 6A Houston or 6A, you know, DFW. But it, it to, you know, like you said, right? It's it's uh, it's where guys like Sterling Shepard dominated, you know. So, I, Andy Bass is one of my favorite recruits in the entire class. I mean, hands down, easily. I think he is a four star kid on any service. I think every service that does not have him as a four star, if they sit down and you ask them on the front end, not about Andy Bass specific, specifically. But you said, tell me how you put rankings together. Like, what is your process? What do you value? What is the hierarchy of how you put that value chain together? And they laid that out. And you would toss Andy Bass out and you would say, well, then how the is he the 911th ranked player nationally? Like, how is he not a four star? Uh, I mean, you know, if I'm being completely honest with you, I, I don't. The only thing you could say is, well, the competition isn't as good as what a lot of other kids are playing. Therefore, he deserves to not be, you know, a, I don't know, a five-star. Because if you pop on his film and you watch Will Shipley, who was a five-star running back, signed with uh, Clemson. Clemson. Andy Bass is better in every way. Andy's bigger, he's thicker, he's more explosive, he's faster. You see that in his track time as a junior, he ran 10-5, right? I mean, uh, if, I, if I was just betting and, and, and Will had offers from everybody and, again, was a, was a five-star, top 35 player in the country. Uh, and I'm not sitting here saying Andy Bass should be that. I, I'm just making that as a point to say, you know, how these recruiting 
gurus and these services put their stuff together it is not consistent and guys fall through the cracks uh i mean everything you want in a guy it's there right you see his ability to cut change directions run through people run by everybody and fantastic field vision and it probably comes from playing quarterback uh and and, and being back there i think it's weird to say that you can see a competitiveness you know, jump out on film, but you see that at times with him and just in terms of, hey, uh, you know, needs a couple of yards, two guys are coming, he bears down, blows through both of them and gets you four. Uh, it's, you know, and again, you could say, well, it's it's against 3A competition, so how does that scale? And I would say, okay, well, we can only use what we've got to try to measure you know, the ability for that to scale. And at 5'11", 6 foot, 200 pounds, uh, probably one of the best put together athletes in the entire country, right? And running 10'5". And so all the measurables, those scale up. And so that's where, you know, my only concern with Andy Bass would be is that with Taylor Tatum coming in and the running back room fairly loaded, you know, if you want to get the most juice out of him, do you use him more as a gadget guy? And do you say, hey, we're going to play you. You're going to return kicks. You're going to return punts. We're going to play you at running back. And we're going to put some stuff together where you're going to be in the slot. You know, because to your point, you put him, whether it's at running back or slot, like his ability to pop up and throw the ball. I mean, you're talking about, you know, uh, a safety's worst nightmare. You, you, you know, you throw a quick flare pass out there to Andy and like you've got to get downhill and be coming fast because he can outrun you and run through your arm tackle, you know. Uh, but in this day and age of RPO stuff, he can also turn around, pop up and, and hit a streaking wide receiver really accurately for a touchdown because he's a really good quarterback. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not you know. I, again, uh, I just can't. I'm watching his highlights I'll, right I'll now. I'll say and- this, like he throws the ball better than Plumley at UCF. Yeah, I, I, again, I, you know, I, I I'm at least with I'm, more velocity and a tighter I'm, spiral. I'm, I'm glad our pod doesn't have like 10,000 listeners and like college coaches from around the country because they'd be like, well, maybe we should give this bass kid this, you know, they keep talking about this bass kid. Well, well who the hell is this kid? And they, and they pull him up on huddle like, holy crap. Have we offered that kid? Because I mean, really, I mean, he's, it's again, he's at Heritage Hall, but I mean, I mean, you know, to me, whenever you, whenever you, whenever you list competition as a question mark, my first question is, okay, but are they dominating that competition? And the yeah. team, yes, they are. Okay. All right. Well, then I'm a little less worried about the competition level. You know, if they're not dominating it, then you're like, okay, they're okay. What's going on here? I'm not, their, their highlight reel is not like a highlight reel. What, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys like that where you, well, you, know, you look You're at like, guys that are ranked really high and you watch their film and they're in Houston or they're, you know, in San Antonio or they're in Dallas or, you know, or they're yeah. in Atlanta and you watch them. You're like, oh, there's some good stuff there. But yeah. I mean, there's kids that are ranked as five stars in upcoming classes, right? 25, 26 type yeah. stuff that you watch Andy's junior film. And you watch, you know, their stuff, and you're like, uh, "What am I missing here? What, what, what am I missing?" And you know what? It's the same thing I said with Gavin Freeman and Cole Adams, and we got in that debate on the site where it was like Cole Adams, Oklahoma's crazy for not going after him. And I was saying, I can, I can get behind. I wish Oklahoma would have signed Cole Adams, 
But what I needed someone to sit down and explain to me was how Cole Adams was a top 100 wide receiver and Gavin Freeman was a kid that didn't deserve a scholarship to a power five university. Right. Because right. when I watched the film and then again, I pulled out the athletic profile, I'm like, I'm seeing one kid that's bigger and faster and more explosive and he has better film. But you're saying the other kid is more valuable because he plays against better competition. Maybe. I mean, maybe. And, and that's not to say that Gavin Freeman has been this, you know, all world uh, player for Oklahoma. He's made some really good plays. He's had some big plays. Uh, but just, you know, to kind of give you an example of what, what I'm saying. He's there. made more plays for OU than Cole Adams has for Alabama. I, <laughs> I don't know that Cole Adams has made any plays for Alabama. So. Uh, <laughs> One is greater, one's greater than zero, right? So that's, yeah, in, uh, in two years, he's caught two passes for 11 yards. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I, I think it's a good running back room. It's a it's an interesting mix of guys. Um, Tatum's obviously the star here, and that's nothing against Robinson or Bass. But I, I like what uh, – if Robinson hits it, it could pay off for OU. It certainly could. But, you know. I, I think Robinson's biggest asset, you know, if he does hit, I think it's his flexibility. Again, yeah. his ability to play. He's going to be a bigger guy, so he's going to be able to give you some unique two-back stuff, both as a runner and as a blocker. And then depending on how big he gets, does some of that come in the form of being a tight end slash H that can still give you some some things? I I hate I don't want anybody to come away from the Robinson segment and being like, well, Caleb doesn't think a lot of him. I I I, I do. I think a lot of him. I, I just, you know, there is obviously some risk there. But, you know, if he hits, he gives you uh he gives you a piece uh, that, and with adding Devon Mitchell and in, in this, that I really, really want to see what additive to the scheme and the concepts that those types of players will give Jeff Levy to to start to tinker with. Okay, well, I think that's a good running back review. Um, so, Caleb, I, I don't want to go too deeply into the the bad parts of the BYU game. Uh, you, you can listen to Gabe and Teddy if you want to hear Teddy Layman. Well, listen to. Teddy takes the defense apart. It's terrible. I can't, I'm sure it's horrible, but I'll say yeah. I listened to uh, Brent today. Yeah. Brent said like it was fits. Like we yeah. weren't getting murdered on the defensive line. It was our linebackers were fitting up basically everything incorrectly. And so was the safety. <laughs> so, so, but I do think the most Interesting thing from our recruiting podcast show perspective was the JA debut. So yeah. a real debut. Um, I see, you know, yeah. as, bad, as bad as I didn't, I certainly do not want Dylan Gabriel to have gotten hurt. Please do not. Anybody listening to the show misunderstand that. We did not want Dylan Gabriel to get hurt. We did not want this exposure to Jackson sure. in this manner. Okay. But it happened. And I'm happy it and I'm happy JA got road experience and got some real playing time, right? Uh, if you're thinking of, as, as a recruiting show, thinking about the future, thinking about the two the, the 2027 quarterback I want OU to sign, you know, that's my perspective on the future. So I'm happy JA got in the game, got some plays and got some stuff. So Caleb, what was your perspective on his debut? I thought it was all around good. I do think he did look a little bit nervous. And funny enough, I was surprised by his nerves on the front end, just knowing his entire high school story where uh, – what, it, it's – what's the kid's name? He signed with Texas A&M. 
Like stout. Uh, no, no, no. No, no Wegman, Wegman. No, no, no. It was a Texas A&M kid from, from Denton Geyer. Oh, okay. Uh, so, no. So, so J.A., while he was in high school uh, at Denton Geyer, Denton Geyer was playing, I believe it was, Westlake in the state finals. J.A.'s sophomore year. And his sophomore year, starting quarterback in the state championship game, goes down to torn ACL. And they've got to toss him out there. It's not Haynes and, King, is it? No, no. I'll, I'll find it. Okay, but, don't uh, worry about it. Don't worry about no, it. I, and, that's, and that's where you know he made his debut. And he, I remember you know reading this stuff then, like he absolutely impressed the uh, all you know the Westlake coaches and those folks and everybody was like, okay, this kid's going to be a future star, and and rightfully so. They Texas high school football Eli Stowers. Uh, there you go. Yeah, Texas high me. school football coaches tend to know a lot, and uh, and they were right. I think Stowers is at New Mexico State now and, and doing well, but uh, beating Auburn apparently okay. beating Auburn for two almost two million. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was a little bit surprised that it, some of it. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought Levy probably did a really good job. I would, if really starting to run him to just hey you you got a little bit of nerves let's run you gave him eight carries and he showed I thought in that you know some ability uh, there. What impressed me the most is I think what everybody saw, right? And I think Barry Barry showed it. The uh, the ball to Farouk on not the third down ball that sealed the, the game, like the second and thirteen one, right? Yeah, it was it was a second thirteen. It may have been third and thirteen. It might have still yeah. been a third down. I think it was still a third down ball. It was you know when they went into score there for like the final before Gavin you know, pretty much sealed that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it yeah, was. Yeah. What everything about that play, I would you could almost argue. I don't mean this again, it wouldn't sound bad towards Dylan, but he showed in that some ability and some things that, like, even in two years or four years or five years, you know, that Dylan just doesn't quite have like as nimble of a feet, as good of a base. You know, you've got the tackle getting collapsed into his, into him, into his butt. He's like third and 13, right? Gotta have it. Uh, doesn't panic. Slides a little bit and re- makes his correct read and good. It was, you know, number one's coming open and puts it on a line, zips it in, hits him perfectly in stride. First down, get up. Next play, maybe I think it was, you know, uh, Sawchuck goes in for the touchdown. That play in and of itself, it was like, okay, like that's kind of a little bit similar to the touchdown he had the spring game to Gavin right. Freeman, where it was like, okay, what are we going to see here? And then perfect seam ball, good coverage. But a perfect seam ball. He's he's got he's got the arm talent. He's got the accuracy, and uh, I think you started to see him as the as he got comfortable. He didn't look like nerves were a factor as as things were on. He looked like he was out there competing and going and looking to make a play. Uh, so you know, I think uh, I would be willing to bet that's one of the few times he'll overthrow Nick Anderson uh, as well. But, well, you know, we you, don't know. I don't know what to do with that, right? An overthrown deep ball, an overthrown deep ball. Everything's been underthrown. So for him to <laughs> overthrow, of course, it was like the uh, apparently. And I've, I've I had a friend that played against BYU. He didn't play at BYU, and he said it. He was like, "You can't. I can't describe to you how bad the field is. Like as you get yeah, into the yeah, year, yeah. he's like, it's nothing. Didn't play on anything remotely that bad in high school. And I think he played like three A." Uh, in, in Texas, so it wasn't playing, you know, at uh, at Mecca's. But uh, I, I mean, 
I thought he flashed. He flashed. You know, we'll say one other small takeaway I thought was good for fans, though, and everybody to realize is, you know, you tend to operate on this assumption because Jackson is more talented because he has a better he's a, he's a better athlete than than Dylan. You saw that on that big run, which I don't even think I don't even know if Stogner touched the guy. You know, it was it was a border. Just, it was the borderline worst blocking the back call of the year. I think. I, I, I think Stogner like literally started to put his hand out, and the kid again on the worst field in the country just Flips. slips, and they throw a flag. Uh, again, it was just. Ungodly bad, but you know you you saw the athleticism, you saw those things. Don't take for granted like the ability for like what we've seen with Dylan. You know, is just a lot of the routine, easy, quick stuff, right? Just makes the right read, gets it out. Hey, just does does the right stuff and, and throws the ball accurately. And it's you know I think sometimes uh, everybody looks at the deep balls that Dylan misses and says, you know, like we've saw. Against Tulsa, you know, Jackson throw what is one of the best deep balls we've seen and hit Nick Anderson in stride. And you see that uh, and you say, well, you know, play him and, be, you know, you, you, then we see him miss some easy stuff and miss some reads. The, I thought the, that. I thought Levy called a good game for him, though. I, I, I did, did, too. I did, too. And I, I think that that uh, and we could discuss like, hey, do you need to play him even if. I'd be surprised if Dylan is ready for for TCU in today's world of how they approach concussions. Like when 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 I played, I'm sure when you played, it wasn't even called concussion. That was called you got your bell rung, you're fine. Get back in there, right? And uh, and now it's turned into you know they take these baseline tests and you've got to go if it's a known concussion, we've got to go a certain number of days and then you've got to test within a range of your baseline, uh, which you know. There's just a lot of stuff that goes into how they treat head injuries differently. But, you know, I think the failures that he had in that game, which were minimal, right? It was oh, a misread here and, you know, maybe his eyes got up and he didn't catch the snap from rain, all of those things. That's going to be invaluable to him being like, oh, that was terrible. You know, he won't make those same mistakes twice, I'm sure. And so that that experience, I think, is going to be massively invaluable for him moving forward. But I was impressed, I think, as everybody was. So um, I'll get back to the second question here in a minute. But so based upon what you saw, again, and this is a huge ask off just a quarter, you know, off some film because, they, you know, they went two and out three times, twice. And then, they, <laughs> and then the pick six meant that BYU had like nine minutes of possession in a row, right? Right. So – the, oh, you didn't have the ball that much, many offensive possessions in the second half, right? I mean, um, so, but baseball, once you saw, you don't think OU needs to be, let's presume Dylan's leaving. That, that, we're not going to rehash that conversation. You don't think OU needs to be looking at a portal quarterback to start? No, I, I mean, uh, again, it was a small subset of uh, experience. But it wasn't it also wasn't curated, right? This no. was not they didn't spend a week game planning specifically for Jackson and trying to get him in a good situations and trying to build things around that, right? Like I've always thought, you know, you look back at maybe one of the best quarterback developmental jobs that I've seen was watching how Kevin Wilson Wilson brought Sam Bradford on. And it was, you know, people forget 2007, it was we're in double tights and I formation with the fullback and we're a run game and it's play action pass and it's half field reads, high to low. He just made everything as easy as he could early for, for Sam. 
you know, Jackson was you're <laughs> uh, you're on the road and in you know against a five and five, so an average team, right? But playing in what is their Super Bowl, trying to get bowl eligible in a week that you didn't expect to play. I mean, the week prior, I mean, you've been e- emotionally and mentally. I'm sure, right? He's human. So emotionally and mentally, you've been settled to like, I'm going to redshirt now for a number of weeks. Uh, so how that carries over into, you know, the level of focus in meeting rooms and film, it's, you know, you're probably not on edge. You're, you're, you've, you know, you're a little bit back, maybe not taking as, you know, as precise of notes and asking that extra question that you normally would ask. And he was tossed in there when it got a habit. Right, tied up 15, at halftime. Fifteen minutes warning, right? I mean, yeah, you got fifteen minutes warning. Like, hey, get loose, buddy! It's seventeen seventeen, and we're going to ride you second half because we need to try to. We want to try to find a way to play for a Big Twelve title, go win ten or eleven games, and you're going to have to do it. And so that's and, oh. And Gabe said that um, the BYU ran a completely different defense than what he saw on film. Oh yeah, I mean, when you watch their like, stuff against like against uh, against like uh, TCU, West Virginia, and all these. They were four down, four two five, and then you watch that first. I put it like in our group chat. And I was like, I mean, they were rush three, drop eight. Like they were three man front, three down line, and it was like that was interesting. And they did the same thing offensively. Like they, I hadn't, you know, it was. Uh, yeah, I think they probably, and maybe I would assume. They may have made the decision that they're going with is a Ratzloff. Yeah, uh, that's they're just going right. to move forward with him, and because he's a dual threat guy, I think previously they were probably keeping a lot of what they had done with Slovis and Ratzloff was running that, and they came out this game and it was like, well, we're a different team now. <laughs> his, his, his perimeter option, which we haven't been doing all season either. It's like, oh, okay. So yeah, I, and so I, I thought I thought he handled everything well. I thought he handled really everything well, and even even though what was the third down run, you know, that he had to you know run through two guys to get the extra two yards to get a first down, like that was, you know, again, it wasn't a kid that was unsure, right? I think in those moments, you just want to see like, are you a competitor? And I think you could just look at him and see like he was just out there competing and playing. So yeah, so um. I'm with you. I, I'm, I'd be surprised if Dylan's cleared. And even if he is cleared, I'd be a little worried about TCU headhunting him mm-hmm. um, just because that's that's what they do. Um, when they, they show up in Norman and they, they, they concuss our quarterbacks. That's basically what they do. That's their MO at least. Um, so I, I think I would be more comfortable starting Jackson Arnold and then maybe bringing Dylan Gabriel off the bench if things are, if things are struggling. You need a you need a boost or a push just just from that perspective. If Dylan's cleared, what do you think you would do in a bowl? Let's just say Dylan's out and J.A. plays the entire game against TCU, gets an OU win, and let's say OU is in an Alamo Bowl against Arizona, which is, I would say, 50-50 shot that versus a New York Six at the point. Yeah. Would you, what would you do quarterback-wise? Would you... Let Dylan have his swan song, or would you do, or would you play Jackson Arnold? Ugh. I would let Dylan have his swan song, and I would build in packages for Jackson. And, you know, let Dylan know, like, hey, we've we've already burned his red shirt, so obviously, you know, we're in. Not that we're moving on. Uh, Jackson's going to get a, a lot of work in bowl prep because that's just the nature of bowl prep. Yep. You know, and, and Dylan, you know, who knows if he's going to, you know, decide to move to the NFL? I think that's. 
likely, or, or if he may look to, you know, another college team or, or, you know, if he's going to the NFL, he'd be interviewing agents and things as well. But, you know, uh, I, in both games, right? Even if, if Dylan was ready for TCU, I think I would, you'd still want to build in some packages for Jackson. And in those packages, I think you would want to build in where it's not just QB power, right? Like no, build in full, like full, full, we're full going to, Yeah, we're going to bring with in some this, plays, with some scripted yes, plays, right? Yes, yes, we're going to bring plays, in and, fifteen scripted and, plays. We're going to try to get this look, and we want you to stretch the field, try to get the ball to Gibson and to and, and to Nick Anderson. And we're going to use your arm, and, and we're going to try to push it and open it up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that. I think that's at this point now that you've burned it, uh, you've got to find a way, you know, to continually develop your players, Max, maximize and, it, get them as many, get them as much live fire as you can, because, um, you know, I mean, it, it would be different if OU was eleven and one and a lot more was on the line. Be like, get Dylan in the game, you know. Um, yeah. I definitely think a lot's still on the line. I think even just from – I thought about this today. Even from an OU fan's perspective. No, you want, you want to go 10-2. and two. You don't want to lose at TCU. You don't, I was fixing to say, want, like, you know, you think about this, right? Like, if, if I told you Oklahoma goes 9-4, and four, like they lose the TCU and they lose the bowl game, right? Oklahoma goes 9-4, and four, uh, you would say, you know – even coming out of last year, you'd have probably taken it after six and seven, but just a three-game swing, you probably still wouldn't be overly happy with. You know how the perception of nine and four versus eleven and two is. It's you know it's it's wide. It's, 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 it's wide. Now you tell me, we get into a New Year's Six bowl, and all of a sudden we have Oregon. I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. I'm, I'd be fine. <laughs> I'd be fine with Dylan Gabriel starting and. If we lo- if we lost that game and a really competitive football game, I'd be like, you know, okay, I can live with that, right? Like last year, we got jumped two bowl slots, right? We had no business playing FSU six and six, right? They yeah. were they were what ten and two, and we were six and six. It's like, what, what right. the hell's going on here, guys? This isn't this isn't right. Um, and then they had all their guys opt in, all our guys opt out. I was like, <laughs> you know. Okay. So that's to me like that's actually probably the question I'm most curious on is like probably is is really what does what does Dylan do? Yeah. Right. Like what does Dylan do? And I will say this. I think I still think that there's a question around like portal quarterback. What are your options? And uh and the only reason I bring that up is if if Booty elects transfer, Davis Bevel is out of eligibility, I believe. I think yeah. that's correct. I so Bevel's Bevel's out of eligibility. He and he may have a COVID year. I don't know, but I think he's done. Uh and 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 if Booty leaves, right? Like what are your options there? Do well, you want the to roll least, in? At the very least, you need Zerbrug and Hawkins need spring reps. I mean, you can't. I think give, they're both. Yeah, you can't. I think give, they're. You can't give Bevel like, look, we got to. I got to get the young guys going. I can't keep. Yeah, I can't keep giving practice reps to, to Bevel and Booty when I got two young guys who I need to start seeing. If one of those guys is going to separate, right? You know. Yeah. I think the question becomes like, hey, what do you do from from this point on? Like, do, would you look at, you know, trying to find an experienced vet, backup quarterback that is willing to just take in a hell money to come in and like mentor uh, Jackson, yeah, which yeah. I, I think is is probably really difficult to find. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, had to be somebody who maybe got replaced at another school and is just like, I want to go into coaching. Let me let me be a coach for. Let me be a coach player for a year, right? Something the guy who has an extra year of eligibility who's just sort of has run out the string 
Tanner Mordecai has no more eligibility, right? I, you know, I don't know. He might. But I'm looking fantasy. at it right now. Bevel's a, a 19 guy, so I think he would have an additional year because yeah, COVID don't right. count. That's right. You know? I mean, Ken yeah. Rising's playing again for the seventh year. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that's an that's an interesting that's an interesting. I mean, I do I do think a little bit of the bowl calculation is who are you playing and where are you playing them, right? A little bit. You beat TCU. You don't get to the CCG. You end up in the Alamo Bowl. Maybe maybe JA has bring some juice to the preparation and the and the development for that game. As opposed yeah. to Dylan being like, eh, you know, okay. Yeah, I, did, I would definitely let, roll the dice and say, hey, Dylan, this is your decision, but we need to know kind of right away. Yeah, do you yeah. want to go to the NFL? And if you do, that's fine. We will definitely, you know, we'll, you know, we love you. You're an all time sooner. Yeah. That Texas game will go down, you know, you, 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 among again, the highlights. He played well. He did a good, he played much better this year hey, than he did last you year. You know, I mean, he's a, he's, to me, he's an all time sooner. And he, you know, you, you hope it's the future where he's bringing his family to Norman to show him, hey, this is where I, this is where I play. I'd, I'd, I'd have, I'd hire him for sole mission in a heartbeat if the NFL doesn't work out. I hope, you know, I'm, I'm really hopeful. And I know he's, he, 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 he lacks some arm strength and things, you know, but the NFL backup quarterback role is about not making mistakes. It's about getting in the right play and not throwing the pick. And, you know, Dylan's played so much football. He's an intelligence, intelligent kid. You hope, you know, I would expect that he could be the type that gets you in the right play. And I think he's shown through five years, right, that he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And there might be a spurt here and there where, you know, a game where he has a fumble and a pick. But, you know, that's like once a season. He's not uh, – I don't mean to – I know this has been a topic of conversation where people are like, well, you know, Landry definitely was viewed way better as the, from the NFL perspective. Yes, because he was 6'4", 225, but Landry also was an absolute, throughout his entire college career, turnover machine. You know, <laughs> the, the guy would just throw pick after pick after pick. And uh, Dylan doesn't do that. And so, you know, you know, I, I think uh, we've seen this year at the NFL playing more rookie quarterbacks than ever, and you look at some of the backups, I think he's got a chance maybe. More to, injuries than ever. I mean, Frickin' Tommy DeVito, who just won a game, right? I'm like, didn't he lose his starting job his senior year at Syracuse? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, then he had to go to Illinois, I think, maybe? Yeah, like, exactly. And that's like, what I mean. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, and he just won an NFL game. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's who knows. But I think it is, I do think that, that the, the weird timing of the JA thing makes things a little interesting QB decision wise. I think for the rest of the year. Now, obviously, it does. If you if if Dylan is able to start against TCU, he starts against TCU, has a great game. Great, that's what we want, right? And then yep. we want to somehow somehow some weird connection gets OU into the CCG, go beat Texas again or beat beat OSU and revenge that way. That's what we want. That's the pie. Yeah. Want. You want you want Oklahoma State with a, with a fully healthy Stutzman, uh, Kip starting uh, at will yeah. with, with Danny at Mike. Like well, healthy Bowen, maybe a healthy Gentry Williams. And a healthy Sawchuck. And, a, yeah. and Sawchuck now that you're now, and, and Sawchuck's figuring it out, right? You've got running yeah. back one and we can debate how good we think Sawchuck might be, but he's, he's better than anybody else who's played this year, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a we can say that without much argument, right? He's without he, any, yeah, 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 absolutely. He's the, he's the, the last three weeks, he's he's looked like the best running back on the roster, and he's he's taking the the 
he's doing what the other running backs weren't doing, making guys miss, and he's following his blocks correctly, right? So the when the block when the O line does its job, he's taking advantage of it. So okay. yeah, absolutely. So um, so I think that's a that's an interesting that's an interesting off season, uh, you know, potential leaping potential there. So um, from at the running back position, it's one less question mark, maybe a little bit for for the off season. So. All right. Well, we talked uh, somehow. I thought we had nothing to talk about, Caleb, but we managed to, in between bashing USC and talking about running backs and Jackson Arnold, we filled the show up. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back. We're recording this early this week. This hopefully should be up in time for you to enjoy it um, on either Tuesday night or Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving. If you're going for a walk or need to avoid family or doing something, just got to well, walk that food off. Walk right? that food off. You can listen to our pod. Um, so hope everybody has safe travels if you're going somewhere. Caleb, I hope you and your family have a have a great Thanksgiving uh, for whatever Same. you're doing. And uh, everyone, please subscribe to our show. And if you want to have more conversations with Caleb and I about recruiting, football, portal, subscribe to Sooners360.com. We have some great threads up on our message board right now about the CFP, about the portal. 2025 kids, I just posted a great update about who are you just looking at for 2025. Uh, our portal tracking with our friend Septown Sooner, shout out to him, is, is as good as anybody in the business. So uh, you want to be on Sooners 360 for the next month because December is going to be wild. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a fascinating month, and that doesn't even factor in that we may see a bunch of coach firings and coach changes that could impact OU at some point, right? Just You never know. OU's got some good staff members, both on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. Uh, somebody, new coaches could be looking for staff members, and somebody get a promotion. We could be looking at a looking at a coaching search very easily on the uh, assistant side. So, thanks everyone. Take care, and we will talk to you again next week. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.co.